Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Chewing the Gristle podcast with me, your host, Greg Cock, Gregory Cockery, the gristle man, if you will. We have extemporaneous conversations with musical friends from all genres, walks of life, and nostril circumferences. Brought to you by our good friends at Wildwood Guitars in beautiful Louisville, Colorado, and Fishman Transducers of beautiful Andover, Massachusetts. Can you dig it? On this episode of Chewing the Gristle, we have the one and only Steve Lukather, session ace, Toto member, and savage individual. Tune in and prepare to laugh and weep. Come. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome. This is a, a special treat. We have the mighty Steve Lukather here oh, from his home. In beautiful California, it's bright and early, but he is sprightly and ready to rock and regale us with tales of guitar (laughs) savagery. Guitar savagery. Well, Well, first of all, we got to see the T-shirt because I said you're you're a groovy cat, and all the cats love me. Well, some people give me this stuff, you know. I mean, I don't buy it. I know. I believe me. I, I like. I like the being a uh, wardrobe by swag is a is a very compelling. Well, yeah, we, we live by free clothing. <laughs> I mean, we live on buses, airplanes, and you know the the you know the whole shit. You know, you know the whole scene. Of but, course, uh, but not but not right now. Not right, no, I'm no, not right now. <laughs> I have never in my life had this time off. Right. My feet hurt. I'm not wearing shoes. Like I'm walking around outside in the cement near my pool or whatever. And, and the bottom of my feet look like raw hamburger right now. You know, I'm like, I'm suffering. And then I have a, a bad tooth, of course. And I can't go. I'm oh, you can't go to, the dentist. go to the dentist. You know, I know my, my girlfriend, thank God for her, She has a special friend who is a dentist that I might be able to sneak in the back door. and get this Yes. Out, you know, it pays to know people. I'll tell you what, these are some strange, strange times. So what have, what have you been I, doing to pass the time? Well, I mean, I do, first off, I mean, as long as we're doing Wildwood Guitars, I have this, um, this is the L4. Ooh! You're going to get a preview here. This is a brand new one. Here, I don't know if you can see this. Thing. Oh, it's glorious. Let me see if I can get away from this. It's It's got a beautiful green. I'm trying to get away. Oh, I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See it? Can you see the flame? I can see the power of the flame. Now, these are the new pickups that, that Dudley Kimple made for me. Now, I was using the DiMarzios before, which are great pickups. But he said, look, before I retire, which is sadly, D- Dudley is retiring uh, from building these guitars. But uh, he says, I got this last one for you. This is the L4, the brand new, or L5, actually. Um, I decided not to put my name on it because... Who the hell wants to play a guitar with my name on? I'm not Leo Fender or Les Paul. What the fuck, you know? <laughs> you know, I'm just this guy. So I figured if I put an L on it, that's okay. People don't mind playing a guitar with the L. I was very honored to see some favorite, like uh, Don Felder is using my guitar and stuff like that. So I'm like, you know, people like that. Uh, yeah, I hey, played a few of those rascals, the, and they're delicious. You did. You did. I saw your your piece. And, you know, you sound like you on whatever guitar it is. And I found that to be true when I've, you know, had the chance to, you know, play some of my heroes' guitars. I played Jeff Beck's guitar. I played Eddie Van Halen's guitar. And you know what? I sound like me playing their guitar. Right. 
Just and like the way it should unlike be. you, play like you. I like it. I remember backstage at the Ringo show when you came down to see me. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just, you know, you play one of my guitars. You just sound like you play one of my guitars. <laughs> I just wish I could play as good as you. That's yeah, right. Well, come on, dude. You're like one of the world-class cats of all time, man. Uh, any, any style, anywhere. Do you have perfect pitch? I wanted to ask you that. I do not. Do you I really have, uh, feel like you do? You know what? I, I have relative pitch at best. but uh, uh, You have pretty good relative pitch, pal. I can just tell that you never play a, a bent out of tune note or that you never, your intonation is flawless, which is. Nah. Well, I appreciate that. But no, uh, too, I mean, I'm not here to tug your steak, man. I'm just telling you where it's at. Well, please. <laughs> you, 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 you wouldn't want your hands on these fucking, on these meat hooks, that's for sure, man. No, but those feet sound appetizing. <laughs> Oh, dude. You, don't, you don't even want to see this shit. You won't, eat, you won't eat for a month, man. No, it looks like I put my my foot in a wood chipper. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Reservoir Dogs theme in the background. Or something. <laughs> well, anyway. at this, it, you know, it's kind of a weird thing being on uh, on the court team because I, you know, this is I weird. Like, I like playing all the time. So if, if I have a, you know, if someone's like, Oh, what am I doing? I'm bored. You know, what shows are I, I mean, certainly I'm watching shows and the, I got the kids here. So we got to feed them. We're hanging out, whatnot. But if I have to sit around and play guitar for, I'd like time just elapses. So is that still the same way for you? Do you still yeah. enjoy just sitting well, down and playing? Thought, I just had a guitar in my right hand, you know, to yes. my, to, to my right, your left. Oh uh, yeah. I'm my little, my little teeny office that I have here in my house, which is just filled with just nothing but books and guitars and stuff, little tchotchkes for through the years. Um, yeah, this is where I live most of the time with my computer and my stuff and my, I can listen to music. I can play to it. I can, I'm trying to do spend my time, but I'm also spending time with my children. Yes, of course. The younger children, which I have not ever had a summer off in my life. Yeah. Without anything right. on the books. I mean, this is just bizarre for me because I mean, ever since I was, in, you know, since I was in school living in my parents' house, I've worked every summer. I've worked. Right. I knock wood. Thank God, Lord Jesus, for my blessings, and I'm grateful for my career. I mean, there's a million guys better than me, but I just happen to hit at the right time, and I've just never stopped. Right I refuse to stop because I've been given this grateful, uh, this incredible opportunity, and. And it's kind of hurt me to a certain extent, my personal life, certainly. I mean, you know, two failed marriages, which I'm not proud of, you know, but four great kids. And I still mm -hmm. dig my ex-wives. I mean, they're great people. I don't have any problem with them, you know. I mean, right. Um, you know, and I have a new girlfriend for the first time in 10 years, and that's made me very, very happy. So, right, I'm, and I had this whole year ready to go planned out. I got a new solo record that I just finished. I'm very proud of it. It's cut live, Greg. You will Excellent. like it. Yes. All live solos. All live. The only thing I overdone was the voice, okay? Because I didn't right. know the lyrics to the song. But I did it the same day. So it was a song a day. I got eight tunes. I did an 11-minute version of Low Spark, A High Hill Voice. Live awesome. With, with Paige on a Stevie Winwood Hammond organ. I mean, I really, you know, I, I took us back a ways. And then we just Excellent. played. And and it was great because we didn't rehearse. I showed up with some charts. You know, we ran the chart, made sure that was cool. And then one or two takes done, no click tracks. I wanted to see if it could be done. Been talking about it for years. All of us guys living in this high-tech world where everybody right. has a computer and then you can fix anything. 
um, it's almost unfair because we all, well, cause you use it. I mean, you know, come on. If you have a great soul and one notes out of tune, who the hell isn't going to go, you know, just bump that up a little bit. You know right, I mean? right, right, right. I mean, and, and for that, that's great for the technology. It's not great when you can't play and you can't sing and you, you, know, you can get your dog to bark the, you know, right. the national anthem or something like that, you know? <laughs> which would, uh, which would be interesting to do, but uh, it would take a while. Uh, but other than that, man, I'm just the same as you. I've just been lucky enough to have a 45 year professional career. You know, I've been doing this since I was a kid, since high school, me and Landau have been playing together since we were kids. John Pierce, you know, our bass player buddy, yep. been Huey Lewis in the news for 30 years. You know, we've been, he worked on some of the record, Jurgen Carlson from uh, Government Mule, David Page, oh, yeah. Babco, uh, Greg Bissonette, and myself. We just sat in a room and we cut like old school, Excellent. real people. And this was right before the lockdown. So I was right. lucky to get it right there. And then I cut one song with Ringo through the, the, I had to wear the, you know, the whole right. thing. It was just weird. Sometimes I think my doctor goes, look, dude, you've been on the road for, 45 years of your life right so the odd around the world so the odds of me getting something are slim i'll get it i could get it but it's slimmer for me because i built up such a tolerance from being right exactly the traveling oh. definitely builds up a pretty pretty militant uh immune yeah. system yeah it really does and the only time i got the flu is when i took a flu shot <laughs> <laughs> real. Oh wait, no stop. good deed goes unpunished. Oh, that's great because when you turn back a certain way, your eyes—the way the light hits your eyes—it looks like you were like from another planet or yeah, right there, right there. Okay, the people in the audience will be laughing right now. Going, okay. All right, this is great that you called me up. You all these fantastic guitar players, and then you got me. So what? What do you want? Oh. What do you want to talk about while I drink my fake beer? Well, what what do you like to when, when you're sitting around the house? What do you, what do you like to play? Do you there's just like I mean, I don't do I don't do a lot of that. Uh, what I try to do is occasionally let's see if I can find something here. All right, I'll talk to guys like Mark Letary or something like that. You know, Mark from uh, Oh yeah, Snarky Puppy. What an amazing player, right? He's fantastic. I go, I go, what are you looking at these days? And he'll 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 show me something like this. Oh yeah, Slaminski for you know. Now a lot of this stuff's ugly sounding and it doesn't really do much, but what it does do is occasionally. Sorry, I'm making a mess here. That's all right. Um, what it does do is trigger an idea or two. Right, exactly. you'll, you'll, you'll fall on something. You go, oh, wow. And then all of a sudden you'll make it your own. And, you know, I don't have any specifics, man. You know, I'm, I'm 62 years old. I just try to keep my hands on it every day. I mean, I, I'm not going right. to change the world. I didn't change the world. You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm your journeyman guitar player, man. You know, I'll show up and play whatever you need me to do. You know, I, I'm just lucky enough to write musician on my tax return since 1975, you know, since I was a kid. So, Knock wood on that. You know, there's so many amazing guitar players now, Greg. Now, you know, be at the top of the heap. There's a lot of competition. Now, I'm so glad that I am like 62 and not, you know, 20 trying to make it in the music business right now. That would be tough. Yeah, but my you, son, you my know son what? As much as there are great guitar players lurking around, compared to your massive library <laughs> of stuff that you've played on, well, I mean, I'm and, I mean you, you set the bar quite high in D and you're st still a frightening player. But the thing that about your playing is like, I'll hear kind of the, 
kind of a jazzier thing and your approach. Well, no, but you know, that's not, wait a second, that's, just, not, that's not fair to real jazz players. Man. I mean, yeah, but that's like Kurt Rosenwinkel or something like that. I mean, these cats, you know, are, are you know, Wayne Krantz or, you know, any of these other guys that are just like, you know, well, I think it's, it's, you know, it's difficult to navigate changes and make it digestible without going, well, now it's taken too far into the jazz lane. And that is an art form in and of itself. And one well, you that is. master. I mean, that's, that's like classical guitar. People that play classical guitar don't play like we do. Like they're, right. they're, they're, their electric guitar to them is a foreign instrument. Right. You know, and, and that's a lifelong endeavor. When you're going to be a classical guitar player, you start single digit and you stay. If you're going to be a pro- <laughs> the odds of being a professional classical guitar player. Right. Make us like you know, give us gr- much greater odds. Exactly. But you know, for the different stuff, flamenco is a whole other right. thing. You know what I mean? So each, you know, yeah, we play guitar as a vague uh, terminology. We're I'm a, I'm a rock and roll guitar player. That's how I uh, I have a little bit of uh, uh, knowledge. You know, I studied a little bit of music when I was in you know school. I realized I had to do that. Right. And I'm still trying to learn, man. I think the older I get, the more I hate myself for not digging deeper when I was younger. <laughs> That's really the truth. I should have been I should have been working on my reading when I was ten. I should have been doing this. I should have been doing that, you know. But you know what? In all in all, I knock on the wood on my desk that I've had a, a really wonderful career and I'm very, very grateful for it. There's a million guys better than me. Uh, you being one of them. Ah. And and no, and I'm not trying to Target, man. I mean, I'm. I, listen, I'm a humble cat, man. Listen, I've had a great career. I'm very grateful for it. Um, I, I play okay for a, for an old guy, and uh, you know, and I can do a lot of different things on the spot. Absolutely. You know I mean? and, and that and that and that is a different job requirement than say just being a genius guitar player. Like I have to show up and not know what I'm going to do or what I'm going to do or how I'm going to do it. That well, let's talk about that a little bit. So how did, sure. when you first started doing sessions? Mm-hmm. Uh, what was kind of your, I mean, your mindset from both, you know, what might be expected of you plus what kind of gear did you bring? And then how did it kind of morph when you were like doing like at the, at the heyday of doing all the sessions versus what, how you would approach it now? You know what I mean? Well, now, I mean, I'll do a session now and then for a friend or something. Sure. And then it's not about money or nothing. Like pay me what you want or don't pay me at all or whatever. I don't care. I do stuff because I I, I either love the person or I love the music or whatever. I generally don't have a lot of time for it because I'm doing my own stuff. And I'm trying trying to be a father. I have two sets of kids. I got, you know, my older kids, which are 35 and 33. And then I have 12 and nine as well. And my nine-year-old is autistic, so he he takes a little bit more. Uh, sure. Uh, uh, requires a little bit more effort, but he's great. You know, it's, it's been great for me as a human being to test my patience as a human being because autism is a very unique uh, anomaly because no two are the same. Right. So you can't really. And, and it's really funny. He only likes classical music. He hates rock and roll. So if I'm in my office and I'm playing my guitar, so I'm all of a sudden I'll come over and it's the volume's turned off. <laughs> He's standing there. I go, dude, you see this house that we live in? You know, it's because of this shit. You know? Yeah, exactly. And he'll laugh and run out of the room. You know what I mean? But, you know, he, he, you know he's nine, you know. You know, the irony is it'd be great if you'd become a great classical guitar player. So I'm like, right. odds are 
Odds are, I, I don't know what he's going to be. I don't know. We sit around and talk about this stuff all day long. But uh, my son, Trev, is the only one that they got bit by the disease of, right. of guitarness. The rest of my, my oldest daughter is married to a wonderful cat who's in real estate and everything like that. They live a real straight life. Perfect. <laughs> my, my son is is great. He's like mini me. He's my best friend. And he plays great. He's a real melodic player. He writes great tunes. And he does that. He's got a record coming out. Uh, at the end of the year, um, and my youngest daughter, she's 12, no interest in it whatsoever, and my nine-year-old, we'll see, but uh, at this point, he only listens to classical music. Anything with a backbeat or a loud guitar, he's not interested in. Well, the irony kills me, but that's just the way it is. You know? <laughs> um, uh, so what's up with you? What are you doing with yourself, man? You, I mean, you've been going on the road playing. Well, and then, and then now it's and, and it's great that you're out there playing and people are showing up and digging what you're doing. I well, mean, yeah, we had we had some momentum going with the uh, the trio with my son and, and then Toby on organ and then the, and band. then COVID hit. So, but what's been fortunate for me is that so much of the stuff I do uh, is online. So I was able yeah. to transition to doing a bunch of stuff at home. So that's been great. Um, yeah, I love the little jam. I love the little jams from the from the bedroom or wherever it is that. Yeah, from my orange room, the room the of orange room. You have the orange room, right? I like that. You know, I love the sound of your guitars and amps. I mean, oh well, thank you. You know, we've I'm, been having I'm, fun. I'm, I'm happy you're getting the attention that you deserve because great players deserve that. You know, I mean, there, there's a lot of cats out there, man. There's a lot of people out there trying to make a name for themselves in this in this business, and now. It's all been impossible. My whole year, zero. I mean, I got these, right. you know, I got these things behind me, man. It's my year at a glance. Right? I do love the analog calendar, though. I got to tell you, I love that. You know, I have that, but now it's all erased. All anything that's on there now that says is just not there. It's gone. Right. There's a song that I wrote. It's called "There's No Business," and that's the end of the song. <laughs> So what are you hearing from, like, the Ringo camp and, you know... I saw, him, I saw him through the glass the other day. I mean, we were showing up, like, you know, I'm working on my record. It was the last song I had to cut on my record. And I, wrote, I wrote a real 1965-era song, and he had to play on it. And, and I'm honored and lucky enough to call him a dear friend. And he said he'd do it for me, and we did the, you know, we did the whole thing through... He was in one room, I was in another room... I mean, he's eight, he's going to be eighty years old and stuff. That's I mean, crazy. He looks I, great. I, I'm no. I was talking to him on Facetime the other day, and he's running on the treadmill at full blast at eighty years old. I'm going, you know, I ain't worried about you. I'm worried about me. Right. But uh, he said he would do it through the wall for me, so I could finish this. And now I'm mixing it over the phone. You know, I have speakers <laughs> here, but there's a certain point where you have to be in the room. Right, I have to be in the room, and I just do the final tweaks. I'm not going over the top with it at all. It was recorded really, really great by my friend Ken Freeman, and um, no overdubs. I mean, I did a few minimal overdubs. I have two songs that I layered, and the rest of it's all live. But some of it I had to just put in. There just had to be a bunch of guitars on it. But sure, can't help myself. But uh, or no, it's just done. And then I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, the band is toast right now. I mean, is anyone saying we're thinking, you know, because, you know, we had a tour planned for the fall. Needless to say, it's not happening. But from your point of view, are people saying, well, we're looking at a year from now where we're yeah. going to be safe again or? Well, I'm looking, I'm looking. Okay. And I do, 
underline quotation marks. Right. Looking at um, Australia, New Zealand, in uh, possibly in April next year. Yeah, possibly. got it. Yep. You know, that's a hope. Okay? Right. I'm, I'm crossing everything in my body right now that's crossable. <laughs> um, because I'm not only because, you know, you know, I I save money. I don't spend money on myself. I don't do, you know, those days are over. Right. Um, right. Uh, you know, and uh, I just want to work. I want to play. Yeah. I'm not, it's not, I'm not used to not being okay. I'm leaving in a week or I'm in a month. I go and then we're going to be gone for three months. And then it's this and all the way up for two years in advance. I'm, I'm not used to having zero. Right. And and I'm no different than you or anyone else out there right now going, if you're a musician right now, it's terrifying. Yeah. Yep. Because even if you have a club gig or something like that, you know, it's nothing, man. And and right. what I'm scared of when it comes back, a lot of these guys are going, well, I don't have any money. Right. You know I, mean? I, I, I can't pay you. I, I You know, right now we're way – it's just scary what could happen to us. Right. You know what I mean? We're like, and like sports is going to go before us. Right. Like they're going to test sports and arenas and stadiums and all this stuff. And if that works, then they'll talk about bringing musicians back. So we're the lowest on the totem pole. Right. Exactly. Which, which and for us, considering that it's still hundred bucks a night to play in the club. I mean, what the, what the fuck is that? <laughs> about no cost of living increase. That's a fact. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, guys. Right. And it's like, oh, this will be good for your exposure. I go, right. sell your plumbing job in my house. Right. You come to my house and you redo all my plumbing. I'll tell all my friends. I'll tell everybody. Exactly. You know I mean? And it's, it doesn't work like that. They come over to your house and they see a gold record on the wall. They go, oh, man, can I get some free tickets to your show? I go, yeah, can I get some free plumbing? <laughs> and the conversation changes. <laughs> you know, we had we had a window guy we were talking to about maybe doing, we have this old, this house is old, 1908, and all the windows are old. And so this guy gave us a quote on windows, and we're having this little Zoom meeting with this guy from the window company. And he's like, are you ready for the quote? I'm like, oh. okay, yeah. And so I write down on a piece of paper how much I think it's going to be, and my wife writes down. And it's like way more than that. And we're like, Jesus, what, what, are, you, what are you talking about? He's like, hey, listen, with windows... Whatever you think it's going to be, it's going to be double that plus five grand. I was like, fantastic. I just found my new negotiation tool. <laughs> Whatever you think it's going to be, double it and add five grand. And I'm I like, I like that. I like that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that works. But I don't understand why people don't think musicians have a real job. Right. What other job? In the last seven years of my life, I've been away 2,000 days from my home, from my children. 2,000 days. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But that's not a, a commitment. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, here's the thing. I could say no, but who says no to Ringo Starr? Yeah, you don't. No to, you that's know, not an option. No. Who says no to a fucking, like, you know, going on the road and making a bunch of money with my old pop rock band? You know what I mean? Right. Right, you know, right, right. You know, and, uh, you know, I, I, you can call the music whatever you want. I get to play all kinds of music every night with great players. And I don't oh, care absolutely. if you or not. But, you know... I, I, I'm just happy to still be alive and doing this. And um, thank you very much for having me on your show. Is there anything else I can 
leave you. Oh, absolutely. You know, I was just going to ask, ask you about, uh, from a geeky point of view, uh, let's, you know, talk about when you're doing, you know, in the height of your session career, when you're doing multiple sessions a day and whatnot, you know, what kind of stuff are you bringing? What is expected of you? Do you have oh, kind well, of a thought of... It started out different back in the old days. It was like, you know, a, a deluxe, a 335, right. a Les Paul, a Tele, you know, to have and then have acoustic guitars ready to go. Uh, and you'd have to have all the little, the latest gear, the latest oh, yeah. little pedals before any of this, the Bob Bradshaw scene. Right. I, um, Buzzy Featon was the first person I ever saw with a Bradshaw rig, and that would be like the late 70s. Michael Landau had the second one. Then I said, I got to have one of these things. <laughs> I did a session with Mike and he had all the stuff and it was just great sound. I'm going, damn, I was still using just old school stuff. Just plugged right. into the amp. You know what I mean? Just to like, to Which probably head. sounded fa fantastic. It was great. But you know, as time went on, now here's the bad part. Please excuse my pug dog. Oh, savage beast. Savage pug dog beast, like the talking dog from the, uh, Men in Black. You know what I mean? It's that dog. <laughs> exactly. You know, perfect for me. No, back in the old days, it was just, you know, the simplicity of it all. Like, right. you know, you listen to Larry Carlton on Joni Mitchell's Court and Spark, and that's just like, a, you know, Larry threw up like a, a, a deluxe or, you know, something small a small amp you know what i mean it, it doesn't get any better than that right. you know what i mean you know and it, yeah. all the old guys you look at graden who's like you know does a solo with the deluxe right and and, and he always used that uh what is that the the, the thing on the guitar it was er, uh, not ernie paul uh, the, the doug armstrong dan armstrong the orange, yeah the orange squeezer that was yeah, yeah, the jay yeah. graden had that on his guitar at all times. We interrupt this gristle-infested conversation to give a shout-out to our friends at Fishman Transducers, makers of the Greg Cox signature gristle-tone pickups. Can you dig that? And our friends at Wildwood Guitars in Louisville, Colorado. Dig it all. Oh, there this is, this is potato this is my daughter named her potato i don't know uh, what a majestic beast she's a sweet dog that's a good dog um every home should have one absolutely anyway ask me some more guitar geek questions you know I so, so did you have did you have people cart right away or was that like a later thing or no, no, carnage was big especially in la because there were studios all over the place and i could right. be i used to have a couple sets of gear that's what i thought because if you're someplace in the morning you gotta yeah. be someplace else we used to do you know i mean like a we were doing a lot of sessions at the time you know 20 25 sessions a week so you'd see a lot of the same guys and this is the best times of my life Right. You know, and I wrote about it in my book a lot, you know. Which, by the way, everyone needs to get. The Gospel According to Luke, fantastic. <laughs> I actually got well, the audio version, so I would go for my walks in the morning and I'd be hearing you describe your various activities. <laughs> it's fantastic. I, I laugh at my own jokes. It's terrible, man. I'm That's not... fantastic. You gotta. Well, I, I was also I, interested on that is how much... 
how weird is it to have your own autobiography in terms of you're, you're talking about all this stuff, you have people calling up going, well, that's not exactly the way I remember it. Or were there things that you really wanted to put in that you couldn't because they were there just. A lot, there was a lot of things I couldn't put in. Right. I just couldn't because it would, I just couldn't. Right. I'll leave it at that. Yes. I mean, uh, and I wouldn't, I, I didn't want to write a book that was going to mess with people. Or, sure, of course. Or, or put them down or, you know, hurt people's personal relationships and that right, sort right. Of thing, you know, uh, no, that's not what I meant to. Uh, and a matter of fact, not one person called me and said, that's not how it was. I got a lot of like Steve Picard or people like that say, no, thanks. That, that is how it was. And thanks yes. for the story because we can never tell the story because, um, the total story will never be told because of Jeff Picaro's widow. I mean, she won't allow, unless she has full control of everything. I've, oh, it's too I, bad. I've, got, I've gotten a point to the point in my life where I only want to work and be around people that, that I get on really well with and that we're friends and we're doing this, you know, because, you know, the music business is in a very strange position right now, as you well know, in terms of, what they play on the radio, what kids think is music. I mean, I mean, we were listening to Close to the Edge when we were 16. What is a 16-year-old kid listening to now? God only knows. Yeah, you have like 20 writers, and the lyrics are, motherfucker, I got a big ass. Right. There's 20 writers, and then you have Bohemian Rhapsody written by Freddie Mercury. Right, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> you go, there's kind of a difference in the con compositional content. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, even though it was very operatic and very influenced by another's, we're sure. all influenced by everything. Right. And you go, what, you know, you have your own style. Your style is an amalgamation of everything you've ever loved. That's true. Put it Absolutely. to one body. And that's the same with me. The same with anybody. Same person, you go... Uh, to Larry Carlton, oh my God, you're my favorite guitar player in the whole world. Or you go to Lee Rittenauer, oh, I've never heard anybody play gut string like that before ever. You're legendary, you know what I mean? It's like, well, that's just the way I play. It's just like the way you play. When you pick up your instrument, you go like, well, I guess I'm going to play like Greg Cock now. <laughs> that's just what you play like. You know, and some of the crazy whacked out you do when you do your your talks over the you know, and your demonstrations and the, you have a lot of humor in your play, which a wow. lot of people don't have. And they think that that's not cool or something like that. Right. Like to have a little bit of humor, uh, when you, well, you know, when you quote something, you play like you are, you know what I mean? It's like, you yeah, play and, you're a, and you're a weird guy and I love you for it. Is that I wrong? I'm no, but the thing is, I mean, the way you talk, the way it's funny, but it's informative and it's, and you learn something and, and you just see that it's you. And, and, and really what you're doing, you play all these instruments from a 335 to a, you know, to your guitars, to any old Les Pauls or anything. And really the bottom line is you sound like you. Now these are great instruments and there are little quirkinesses to them that Absolutely. have a tone, a telly sounds like a telly and stuff right. like that, yeah. But it makes you play different. Absolutely. When you pick up a Telecaster, you don't play the same way you're doing a Les Paul. No you way. Don't. You go for different licks right away. Exactly. Because it has that sound, that spank that you love. You know? Exactly. And there's some guys that do that. You do it, and there's some guys that just do it so good. Like, you know, you're Albert, you're 
a lot of the country guys, you know, some of the sick ass country guitar players are yeah, yeah, yeah. that are just these bluegrass guys just oh, jaw, insane. jaw dropping. You just go, it should be, uh, it shouldn't be allowed to be that good. You know, <laughs> even, even when you look at the old Chet Atkins, video, oh my god, where he's, play, where he's playing through like a tape delay, right? You see the actual tape machine going, yeah. He's playing Mr. Sandman or something like right. that. And it's just stunning. The Chet stuff is... is yeah, I mean, it's, it takes a cheesy little tune like that and it makes it so hip. Exactly. You know what I mean? And that's when you know... And he makes it look like it's effortless. Right. Like, oh, this is nothing. And then you try to play in this flop sweat. Oh, my God. Well, well you have that. I don't have that. I mean, you know, you have that style. I mean, you've studied it, obviously. Like, you know, it's now. At one point, I just, I just forced myself to, because I, th you know, I would see people do that stuff, you know, the, the the Chet thing and the Merle thing, and I thought, you know what? Before I die, I got to learn how to do this crap because, you know, I saw people like, you know, no, Donald no, no. Dyke sitting by themselves and being able to play something by them by their lonesome and. Yeah, that's the thing. Is always, I, like, I, I want a little bit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying when, like, I love these guys that can sit down and just play by themselves. Yep. A guy like Rodney Crowell. Oh, yeah. Sit down and and play with these beautiful storytelling songs that right. mesmerize you. And it's just one guy finishing yes. and playing and singing these songs from the heart from his childhood. That's the stuff that moves me. That's like right. country music. Yeah, not, yeah. Not not rock and roll with a pedal steel. Right, exactly. I, I agree. You know, that that whole thing that they do now that's, that's yes, uh, it's, is, it's, is, difficult. It's, it's not difficult country music, ask. really. It's not George Jones. It's no. not, it's not Johnny Williams, Cash. You know, yeah. it's not Johnny Cash. It's not any of that, you know. Those no. those guitar players that have, you know, when they hit that low drop D deep down down. Right, yeah. Then you just go, oh yes, that was the perfect lick. You know. Yes, indeed. You know, oh, what are you gonna do? James what? Burton, James Burton, and all those cats that didn't end up play all this crazy great stuff that you just yeah. go, that's a style. Indeed. You know what I mean? And then you have a guy like Andy, you know, Andy McKee, who yeah. takes takes things and and does it a completely different. I got to right. talk to him because he did a version of one of our cheesy songs, Africa. <laughs> and, That's uh, a great song, by the way. Well, thank you. Um, anyway, what I'm saying is, like, he did a version of it in his style, and it got sent to me, and I was, and I found him. I said, "Dude, this is incredible. You have such a unique style." And then he got turned on to Rittenauer and all these other people, and yeah. he's and he's made a career. And I am, you know, <clears throat> I just love to see greatness spread around. Yeah. You know, it was one of my all-time favorite tunes. Was the it was that Pamela tune? I just loved that tune back in the day. That record, blank. <laughs> Thanks, man. It was uh, just, I was I was proud of that record. Seventh one record. That was a, that was we worked hard on that record. I mean, it was George Massenberg and and uh, Billy Payne co-produced it with us. Ah, yes. And uh, you know, from Little Feet, and uh, yep. we just it was a different energy back then. We were coming. We really wanted to give it our all, you know, and we really spent a lot of time and money on that record. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of goosebump moments on that record when you crank oh, it up. There, there's that's there's very, power. You're very very kind, Greg. I appreciate that, man. More than you know. 
Plus, that was when that record came out, I was listening to it. That's the same summer I met my lovely wife. So there's a lot of good memories attached. Is your name Pamela by chance? No, uh, it's Sarah, but that's a great name. Sarah, now, you guys have been together for how long? Uh, so be at least 30 some odd yeah, years. Yeah, 30, 30, yeah, yeah. Well, we've been married, it'll be 26 years this year. You better not forget. Seven? And then we were together five years before that, so... So you know time. what real love is. Well, yeah. You know what? That's good, man. That's a good thing. It's just very It rare. turned out all right. It took me three times. I mean, you know, I mean, I've had a lot of girlfriends in my life, but I've only been married twice. Um, and I met a great girl that I'm in love with right now. So Excellent. So that's that's a good thing. Um I got uh, another guitar geek question for you. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. What's that? So I'm just curious, as you Obviously, because I've heard you play over changes magnificently, which is something that, you know, I know you say, oh, I'm a rock guy. But, you know, a rock guy is someone who doesn't know how to play over changes. But someone who knows how to play over changes but understands how to rock, that's like, then you're narrowing the scope of individuals dramatically. Oh, really? I want to get like a, there's a new song on my new solo album that uh, Jeff Babco wrote for me. And it's a very Jeff Beckish kind of a thing. And I'm proud of it because it's, it's one take. It's, it's the whole thing is one take and I've discovered a little bit of a sound I've been trying to work on, which is, you know, it's, of course, it's a nod to Jeff Beck because he's like, that's my all time hero. Yeah. And he's also, um, you know, he was a friend. I produced a record on him that never came. I know it was in the book. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then that's a whole other story for another time. They want me to write another book. Ironically enough, the, the, (laughs) the new Testament. (laughs) (laughs) but when you're going to if you're going to a session and and you're listening to the demo or they put the chart in front of you and there are uh some chords that you know you're gonna have to navigate over um is is there any like quick things that your mind goes to is like okay well this part here you know i mean granted there's i remember i would always be in a situation where at some point when i was younger i thought well at some point you just know how to play over changes. And then at some point I was like, no, you actually have to know the tune. You have to know the changes. I mean, yeah, there's some similarities, but how do you look at playing over changes in a hurry? Well, here's what I do that other guys don't do. I never sat down with the fake book. I never transcribed Charlie Parker solos. I never did any of that. What I did do was study harmony and theory. Okay. And I know common tones and I know all that stuff and all that stuff. Um, the way I approach changes, you won't hear a cliche bebop lick per right. se. Like which a is great. Five, like, like a 251 Joe Pass turnaround or something right. like that, which I wish I knew, by the way. Um, I'm just trying to find a different way to do it, that a guy like that who would have those kind of chops in their wheelhouse, you know what I mean? That would just be an easy go-to, oh, well, this 251 turns around just like you know a blues lick's going to work. Right, right, right. I mean, um, I just never learned it like that. So my choices of notes to to go over a different chord change, a key change, say, um, I would not go to the uh, bebop-ish kind of a thing. I would try to find a common tone or I would try to find something that is not the obvious thing. And that's not because I'm trying to. That's just because that's the only way I know how to do it. I understand. Yeah, You know what I mean? I Like, I learned it. Wrong and backwards. Like, I learned how to play first, and then I learned how to read, which sucked. 
because you know here I am being able to play and then having to try to read Mary had a little lamb <laughs> or, or or to that level of reading. I understand. You know what I mean? Every good boy does fine and all that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, we had talked about that the first time we hung out. We were, I, I asked you about you know it's kind of one of those things those session myths. Now, oh, okay, God, come on. He could probably he could probably read the, you know the no you know, no 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 you know and there's like the guys that do that and then there's guys that are expected to come in and play cool shit that are memorable parts and solos. Yeah, no, that's that's what I did. I didn't. Exactly. Do, I didn't. They didn't hire me because I was the best reader in town. Ask anybody that sat next to me. I, I I would always sit next to Dean Parks or somebody brilliant like that. And when when the gut string part would come out all written out, I go. Dean, there's something wrong with my part. I think it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And, and, and he can read anything. Because, you know, what people don't know is Dean was a sax player. Okay. And David Hungate was a trombone player. So ah. he had his, his, his uh, you know, uh, his bass cleft together. Right. So he came Got in bass, and he's also a really good guitar player. Uh, on that old Johnny Smith kind of like, you know, oh, yeah, old yeah, yeah. school, uh, you know, quarter note changes, you know, right. Johnny Smith kind of, you know what I mean? All, all that wonderful rhythm guitar playing back in, when when the drummer used to sit, you know, when the guitar player used to sit next to the drummer and go, Freddie Green Patrol. Freddie Green. Yeah. Freddie Green who invented rhythm guitar. Right. Like you take Freddie out of the mix and the groove goes away. Right. You know, it's stuff like that, like Ray yeah. Parker Jr. Everything's a Ray Parker Jr. is Ghostbusters. Let me tell you about Ray Parker Jr. Uh, there isn't a funkier cat on the planet. I get like it. A perfect example of when we did the Middleman record with Boscax back in the late 70s. Um, I was the rock guy and Ray was the funk guy. And we had a perfect combination of what those two things are. And we, when we played together, we knew who was going to do what. And... And we played together great. Jay Graydon was another guy that I loved to play with. Michael Landau was another guy that I loved to play with. Uh, another guy that people don't talk about much anymore, he's a record producer, is Dan Huff. Dan Huff is a great Oh, yeah. Dan, you know, and when he first came to town, he had a little bit of a nod to me, uh, which was very sweet. Uh, but he is very much his own musician. And I didn't mention him enough in my book. Uh, they cut, edited out so much of my and I wrote it three times. I understand. Yep. Uh, um but Dan, I gave Dan more love than, than they put it in it. Dan, Dan's a really great guitar player, a really sweet guy. And, and he plays great, but he turned into a record producer and took over all Mutt Lang stuff. Oh, okay. He has a Mutt Lang style to his productions. Uh, you know, it's funny you should mention Ray Parker Jr. Because years ago, I don't know, this is maybe five, six years ago, I had to do this thing out in Hawaii. Uh, actually, maybe it was 10 years ago. Anyways, a while yeah. back. And... Um, Ray Parker Jr. was there and he's playing with Patrice Russian and yeah. and uh, all these kind of like heavyweights. It was kind of an all-star thing. And everyone would take turns doing tunes. And the whole time I'm going, are they going to play Ghostbusters? I'm kind of saying facetiously. And he's playing tune after tune that are just killer. And then at the end, I'm like, okay, thank you. Good night. I'm like, there's no Ghostbusters. And all of a sudden they come back and they proceed to do Ghostbusters and it rocked so hard I thought my brain was going to explode. Yeah. <laughs> Especially that part where it's going, it was, Ghostbusters blew my mind. <laughs> well, yeah, well, seriously, Ray Parker is one of the funkiest guitar players. His, he was magnificent. His eighth note swing like a bull's ball bag. 
I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. He's an unbelievable rhythm guitar player. There isn't anybody better. I mean, I've sat next to some of the best rhythm guitar, David T. Walker, people like that, Wawa. Right. Some of the funkiest cats in the world, man. I've learned a lot from sitting next to these cats. And and Pocket. Right. Pocket. This is everything, you know. And one, so, of the, and one of the unsung heroes that you really should have on is Dean Parks. Yeah. He's one of those guys that everybody's read his name, but they don't know nothing about him. Dean is a legend. Dean is right. a quiet genius. He is a guy that can take anything. Like, you know, you know, you hear these beautiful gut string parts in movies. Right. You know what I mean? And you go, this isn't just some guy reading a part. This guy is really playing this. This right. has heart. That's Dean. That was Tommy Tedesco. That was guys like that that can not only read, but interpret and feel. I mean, you, you there are guys that can sit there and learn and learn the notes, but do the notes have any feeling to them? Right, exactly. As a composer, yeah, yeah. when you hand somebody a piece of music and go, this was in my heart and soul, I want you to play it like that, and you hear, you go, that ain't it. Exactly. When you hear somebody interpret your music, you know, like your interpretations of other people's movies. Since I've been loving you, that 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 bit you do. Uh, oh, the Zep, Zep thing, yeah, yeah. I love that. Oh well, thank but you. It's one of my favorite Zep tunes that nobody ever does. Oh, it's you know what I mean. It's a arguably classic. one of the best minor yeah. blues ever written. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah, no, there's no question about that. And you nail it. You just oh well, thank you. Enjoy it. And I love that. See, when I hear stuff like that, that seems simple, but it's not. Right. The right note makes so much of a difference. In other words, I explain to people, I go like, you know, you look at a guy like, God bless his soul, Alan Holdsworth, you go see yeah. him potato, and it takes you months to get your jaw off the floor. Right. But if he was to play in an arena, which I saw him play in in Europe, he lost the audience. Sure. Because they just didn't get it. Right. You know what I mean? I get it. Some music is like, it's like art. You have to sit and look at the art up close and interpret right. it. You can't yep. look at it from a distance yep. and expect to get it. That's how I look at Alan's work. It's a it's a perfect piece. Uh, it's a perfect fucking Rembrandt that you have to look really close at. Well, it's not something you'd put on as background and, music. Like, yeah, hey, no, honey, let's relax and have dinner and put on some music. You wouldn't put yeah, on. Right. Right. I, I love it. You know what I mean? Well, but. I I don't know about you, but I mean, even in an elevator, when I'm in an elevator and I'm listening to some cheesy arrangement, I'm listening to the arrangement of the strings. Right. I don't want to. I don't want to, but it goes there. Right. It goes there. I have been stopped in the grocery store. There's been some music on, and someone's burning some some guitar thing. I'll be like, I'm I'm getting salad dressing, and I'm hearing someone scald my brain with the power of their savagery. It's just you know we're it was probably. <laughs> It was probably some record I played on back in. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm not stroking my dick like that. I would never. <laughs> well, no, let me ask you this. You know, in your book, you've, you've literally played like, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's probably Carlton or Graydon or somebody like that. You know, I was just going to ask, you know, in all the different stuff you've played on and it's been like literally the who's who of uh, popular music. Was there anybody you wish you played with or could have played with that didn't work out that you, that was like, man, I wish I would have done that. I wish I, um, people like Peter Gabriel, Steve Winwood. Oh, yeah. I was always a big prog rock guy when I was a kid. Yeah. Like the early, yes. The early Genesis, the early, you know, stuff like that. You know, I was really into all that. 
Uh, and you know, when I met Steve Howe, it was a big deal. Yeah. Oh, he was so funny, man. I put my hand out to, to shake his hand. I'm going like, wow, Steve Howe. And he goes, go gently on the Bentley. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's the greatest line I ever heard about, like, don't squeeze my hand. Well, you know, you hear these stories about these kind of, you know, these English rock stars and how some of them can just be absolutely unapproachable and, and you never oh, know. No, the, like, there, there was a, there was a sign backstage. Like, uh, don't make any noise. It was Steve Howe's room. You know what I mean? Cause we yeah. did a tour. We did a tour with yes, Toto. Uh, right. uh, it was hilarious to me. No clap tonight. I would be on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> there will be no clap tonight. That song's want, a bitch. Want, yeah, it's a bitch. Well, I remember being in junior high school. If you could play that, you were like, you know, right. Went to the top of the class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? There were guys who could do that, but then they couldn't do nothing else. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's very funny about guys. They could do one trick. Whatever and, it takes. Yeah, but one trick doesn't make a career. Well, that's a fact. That is a fact. You know what I mean? There's a lot of guys that have ridiculous chops. I mean, the kind of we just go, oh my God, but can't play eighth notes in time to groove right. at, all, at all. And then they wonder why they don't work. But I can play like this. You go, yeah, but that's like having a 20 inch cock. It's great to show to everybody, but it's not really useful in most situations. You know, Unless you run across a, a, a Sasquatch maiden that perhaps well, needs. Well, like I say, like, you know, there are some chicks that get off on that. <laughs> Some chicks is like, you know, when, when you're making out with her, you don't want to be sucking the head of your own cock. Well, there, that's a problem. <laughs> unless you're unless you're into that kind of thing, which... Are you, are you editing this? <laughs> <laughs> that one might not get past the censors. We shall see. I don't but, care. <laughs> I don't care. I mean, I have my reputation precedes me. <laughs> you know, I love the part you of the book where you're talking... Go ahead. When you were talking about the uh, the Clapton thing, about playing with... Oh, I was so nervous. It was unbelievable. Derek Clapton. Funny, I had played with other people that were as famous, as, as if, if you will, but like something about remembering lifting up the needle so many times to learn... At Crossroads. The solo at Crossroads. Yeah. The greatest, arguably the greatest guitar solo ever played. Um I couldn't get past it. He was pissed off at me because I didn't have calluses because I had just gotten out of the shower. Ah. Like, you don't play guitar. You don't have any calluses. I'm going, no, I just got out of the shower. I just got to a break. No, he said some really sweet things to me, you know, and Jimmy Page did too. Uh, Jimmy Page took me aside. I, we went to this thing at, uh, was it the Guitar Center, for a Marshall thing. But right, they, right. They did for a while. They were doing this. To, he was getting a rock walk induction, you know. Where right. Your hands and the thing, and I was invited to come. I was thrilled to meet Jimmy Page. I'm going, Jimmy Page, Jesus God, absolutely. And he and he was a session guy, along right. with John Paul Jones, and uh, they used to play on like you know, uh, yeah, everything back then. All those old English Donovan, Lulu, who, yeah. uh, Donovan, all yeah. those records and stuff like that. And yeah, I keep like Jimmy played the solo on Gloria, right? And you really got me by the Kinks. That was Jimmy. Yeah, um, you know stuff like that. And, and I'm walking in the door with Eddie Van Halen, who's been a dear friend of mine since the '70s. I'm not name dropping here. I'll have to send you five bucks every time I. Use 
uh, I'm there, and, and Jimmy Page points, and I'm thinking he's pointing at Eddie Van Halen because he wouldn't point at Eddie Van Halen, right? Right. I'm just Eddie's pal, you know? And this was probably 1992 because right afterwards I produced the record. Uh, the, the, I guess the person of the evening was Nigel Tufnell. Ah. Chris Guest, you know, and I had seen the movie 10 times. I loved it. Right. Right. And so in the middle of it all, I walk up to Chris Guest and I, uh, well, Jimmy Page sees me with Eddie and he points and he, and I think he's pointing at Eddie. He's pointing at me. I go, Ed, he, like this, like Ed. And he goes, no, you. I'm like, okay. I come up to him. I go, oh, hi, Jimmy, Steve, look, it's a great honor to meet you. He goes, I want to talk to you about something. Come here. I'm like, you want to talk to me about something? Okay. And he goes, I read an article about you once where you said like, you think you would have been taken more seriously if you weren't a session guitar player. Like you've been taken more seriously as a guitar player if you weren't a session guy. He goes, that's not true. I was a session guy. And those guys out there, and he's pointing to every guitar player that's ever been in LA, is out in the main room of the guitar center in LA. He goes, they don't understand what it takes to do that job. It's not just reading the notes, it's interpreting. It goes in this whole thing about it. And I'm like got a tear coming out of my eye. I go, can I tell people you said this to me? He goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I go, Jimmy Spade is a session player, and he said that to me. I mean, it really touched me deeply. That's awesome. So, because it doesn't matter. There's a million guys, you know, like I said, that, that, that just play rings around me that are just jaw-dropping. I just go, wow. Jimmy Herring, you know. Right. John McLaughlin, you know. You, you just got yeah. Al Miola. You go down the list. It's just, you know, cats that are ridiculous. Then just the rock guys. You know, who just are jaw-droppingly incredible. You know what I mean? I mean, there's so many great guitar players. How do you keep up in that? You just got to be yourself, I reckon. Yeah, well, that's why people dig you, because you kind of take all that little country-ish thing, but you rock it and you jazz it and you do all the things that, that you I, as, as Junior Brown says, I just do what comes easy to a fool. <laughs> Where do you come up with this stuff? Yeah, I mean, you totally crack me up with this. It's just amazing to me. You know, I'm just amazed that when Jimmy Page talked to you and he said, you know, you know, we're, we have this in common because we're we're session guys. I'm wondering at what point did you not think to yourself, I need a dragon suit? You know what I mean? When did that? <laughs> you know, I, I, thought, I thought like this is like no one's going to believe me when I tell them this. You know what I mean? That's what I thought. I mean, I thought. I don't know about you, but I'm still a total Zeppelin geek. I listen to... Me too, to, me too. I listen to all these bootlegs now that are showing up, and I have my different favorite bootlegs from over the years. And what yeah, I mean, sometimes was. sometimes he was a little too buzzed, you could tell. But yeah, but it still was glorious. I yeah. mean, that's one of the things, like, you don't care. Well, good. See, I always think a guy like you does care. Like, you would go, oh, that's out of tune. That's like, you know, because you're such a perfectionist guitar player. Oh, I love the filth. I got to have the filth. Although there are certain eras where, like, you know, Jimmy in, like, uh, 1970 was particularly on, and he would just. Yeah, right. Uh, no, that was right when, you know, the when the buzz still works. Right. <laughs> it's when the buzz doesn't work. I and think I, that's, I, I, that's I, before I, the. I know this, I know this from firsthand experience. I used to be able to have a couple of drinks and go, yeah, that's great. You know, just relax me a little bit. But then all of a sudden I realized I drank half a bottle on stage and I'm right. fucking and I didn't realize it because I feel great, you know, but I didn't sound great. And thanks to the miracle of YouTube, I get to watch get beaten out of me on a daily basis. Uh, I don't, I don't really read it anymore because you know, what's the point? I had a bad night. Okay. So 
I'm sorry about that. You know, what no, I mean? you know I what? Haven't had a, I haven't had a drink in ten and a half years. Give me a break. Good you know? for you. You know what I mean? So, you know, yeah, I f***ed up. I've been doing this since I was single digit. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the vast quantity of brilliant you've done masks any of the stuff that these trolls might feed upon, so they can uh, go I, I do take and eat. I, I mean, I do apologize for you know letting myself get out of control like that. I mean, it was really sad. My mom well, died from alcoholism. It was. It's not a pretty thing. No, um, and I'm glad I caught it, and, and I'm sorry that I let it go. I mean, you know, it, it, it's almost like every night is Saturday nights, everybody, when you're on the road. Exactly. So, and if you don't want to go out and hang with them, then they're insulted, and then the next thing you know, you got a buzz on, and then the next thing you know, you got a buzz on every night, and the next thing right. you know, it's not good. You're preaching not, to the choir. <laughs> I am not talking about having a couple of beers. I'm talking about legless. You know. Right. You know, and there's a big difference. No, I, I, <laughs> you know, I understand. Having that. a few drinks is different than having like somebody carry him the fuck out of here. Right. You know, I mean, I and I didn't mean to be. I thought it was funny. I mean, I, at least I was a happy drunk. You know, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't mean. You know, I was just stupid, and I should never go near playing guitar like that. That's just not cool. You know, it's just that's not. I mean, I I've been given this great great opportunity, and I started to fuck it up, and I'm deeply ashamed of that and yeah it was a long time ago but i still think about it and i go wow man you know i, I get i get my dream comes true and i pick it up i mean that's really terrible you know and i'm ashamed of that you know man but listen i've had time to you know to wake myself back up and save myself before it got too ugly you know exactly I mean? my story exactly. is not dissimilar it's so funny that all the guys i used to drink with you know eddie neil zach Blah blah blah. The list goes on. You know what I mean? Uh, right. All, slash. All stopped at the same time. Right. Without ever talking about it, and not from typical go to rehab AA. Right. Just I'm done with this. This is just. I feel like hell. I'm not playing good. I don't like myself. I look like. I feel like. When you right. finally hit that point, that's when you're going to stop. Right. Not because somebody tells you to. You know, and we both well, exactly you can't be told. We, we, you know, we both have people in our families that have, you know, struggled. You know, my daughter, yeah. you know, she had a little bit of a struggle and she got out of it. And, uh, you know, my mom, you know, and my, my son, no problem. He can do it or not or have a beer and be fine. My daughter, one beer, it's toast. You know, yeah, same, family, you. Same, same divorce, same whatever, you know what I mean? You know, and, and you can only blame yourself so much. Right. But I'm not going to get into that. This is a guitar thing, you know. But that's just. No, oh, I understand. I haven't. Uh, it's all part of the guitar music business thing, you know. The, 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 I the, haven't had a drink in 20, 24 years. It's I'm been. trying to imagine you. This. That would be hilarious. Well, I, apparently I was fun. <laughs> well, yeah. They tell me I had a good time, too. But... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> apparently. They, I, but there are definitely stretches that I do not yeah, remember. I, yeah, there's some, I did some really stupid. I said some really good things that I'm not, you know. But we're alive. Now when people say, do you drink? I say, no, it break, makes me break out in handcuffs. That's the ultimate diffuser. <laughs> that <people> like, <laughs> I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. That diffuses uh, it quickly. It does. Yeah, it makes me break out in handcuffs. That's <laughs> Craig, I love you. You're the best. I'm well, thank you, you so much for taking time for us. It was great just chatting with you, and I, I appreciate you doing this. As of course, I know the Wildwood guys were tickled pink that we were doing I'm this. So. Honored to tell them to thank you for for you know selling my uh, all, all the Music Man guitars. They've done oh, a absolutely great job for me. 
I love them to death. Thank you, Wildwood, and all the gang there. And thank you because I think you're one of my favorite guitar players, and I think you're such a badass and a great guy. Well, so, likewise, uh, my friend. It's just such a such. It's such a trip to, that we're pals. If I was somebody that said, you know, after a few years of uh, the great struggle as a musician, you're actually going to be buddies with people like Steve Lukather. I'd be like, what? So it's an incredible honor that we're. Uh, oh, come on, man! You're, we're hanging out. You know, you you d dust the floor with me, my brother. Ah, I'm a fan. I'm your biggest fan. I talk about you all the time. Oh well, listen. That is that's that blows my brain. But hey, what did I do? With Ringo, I go. You got to hear this guy play. That was surreal. I tell people that story, and I'm like, it was it was just so bizarre. What a nice guy Ringo is. He was totally. You know, the the most embarrassing part of that night though is when I'm sitting there. Uh, talking with Ringo and with Bissonette and I've known Bissonette for a while. And, and for some reason where he's, he was at Bissonette was asking me about my son, Dylan, the drummer. And I was telling a story about uh, how we happened to be in the same hotel in Italy as Steve Gadd. And I was kind of telling a fanboy story about Steve Gadd. And I was like, I'm telling a fanboy story about Steve Gadd to Ringo Starr and Greg Bissonette, but they totally were like, yeah. And then they told their stories about Steve. It was just, the whole oh, thing yeah. was surreal. Well, I'm a Ringo story about Gad is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, he told that uh, one, and it was just like I'm being told a, a Steve Gad story by Ringo Starr, and I'm, my brain is about to explode. He was just as cool as the day is long. So, but you know what he did? I, you know, I'm doing a, a documentary right now. No, Sony came to me and wanted me to do a documentary about you know the session work and all the other stuff that I've done, and uh, and the guy who did it came to me who did Bruce Springsteen's last one. And he thought he saw, he read the book and he, he, he read, saw some interviews. He goes, this guy would be interesting because nobody really, he's done a lot, but nobody really knows who he is, you know, in terms of, it's great. I have a perfect amount of fame. I walk down the street. Nobody really knows who I am. Got three people out of a hundred, you know, might go, Hey, are you that guy? And I'm like, it's never a problem. But guys that are really famous have a real tough time. Right. And he thought, well, you have an interesting story because you played on so many famous things, but you're not that famous person. And so so they came to me with this idea, and I said, well, I'm not, I don't want to do one where everybody's going like, oh, yeah, Steve Lukather's is great. I mean, how boring is that? I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know? Um, I said, well, I'll, if everybody wants to do something, say something funny, or say something soulful, that would be great. Um, and then it would be funny, and then I could dig it. And 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 they and Ringo said he would do it, and Slash did it, and I'm gonna get a whole bunch of people to do it, tell funny stories about when they first met me or something funny that I did. And Ringo did the most soulful thing. He goes, "Steve, look at this, my very last best friend." <laughs> and, and, I went, and, and, and that and me up. I'm like going, "Jesus Christ, Ringo Starr, the reason why I play guitar is the Beatles." Right. Here I am at 62, and he goes, Steve, look at this one of my very best friends. And I... All right, Steve, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. You rule. It's been an <laughs> honor and a pleasure. One of these days, we're going to have to do some playing together and just hang out and cause some trouble or just have another delicious feast once this COVID stuff has gone away. Boy, wouldn't, wouldn't that be great? Uh, listen, it's a great honor to talk to you. You're one of my favorite guitar players and genius and Thank you for asking. And Wildwood, you guys have been the best to me. Thank you so very, very much for having me anytime, anywhere. And I'll definitely be at your next gig, Greg, as soon as you're around my town. I will. Well, likewise, when you, come, when you come behind the cheddar curtain, if I'm in town, we shall feast. Well, absolutely. I'll be wearing the hazmat suit. <laughs> All right, my friend. Thanks so much. You're Take the best. Care, God bless you, man. Take care. Likewise. Bye. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye. Kapow. -bye. Bye.